weekly Bible study for 7.30.06. Today we're going to be looking at a couple different current events that relate to the coming imminent future of America. I got this article this week called The Murder of America by Tex Mars. There's a couple quotes here. It says, this one's from um, Steve LaFemme. He's an independent candidate for Congress. He's quoted saying, there appears to be no evidence that the American people themselves are even aware of the catastrophic events soon to overtake them. End of quote. Another quote by a guy named Lawrence Patterson. He writes for a, uh, a periodical called Criminal Politics. He says, quote, Our worst fears confirmed. We are suffering a coup d'etat in America. That means like an overthrow. It is, the, it is in the final stages of completion. The program to abrogate American sovereignty, I guess that means take it away, May God have mercy on America. Well, I don't know how God can have mercy on America because just the abortion issue alone. Other than the praying remnant, I don't know why he, why how he could have mercy. Of course, the, you know, I think about every day. Every day I'm living anymore looking at what America's done um, with the homosexuals, how they've almost taken over and the, and the, um, the corruption in our government right now is just unbelievable. Um, so many facets, the abortion industry, so many things that we've done in America to bring judgment on ourselves. I really feel like every day we get where we still have freedom is a gift from God anymore. Really do. Because I, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm thinking, man, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, they got, we got a lot, away with a lot more than probably they ever thought about getting away from. Because they didn't have the kind of technology we've got. So, I mean, I don't know. I just think the Lord's merciful. Very, very, extremely merciful. This article goes on to say, the evidence is overwhelming. There is absolutely a wicked and devastating plot and conspiracy to overthrow America. Traders are now confident that they will soon wash over 225 years of American tradition and history down a sinkhole. I mean, George Bush has been quoted saying the Constitution is nothing more than a GD piece of paper. He's quoted saying that, okay? He's, he said a lot of stuff about the Constitution. That's just one quote. Um, he's, he's been quoted saying that, that America sure would be a lot easier to run if, if, if it was a dictatorship and if I were the dictator. He's been quoted saying that. Okay, I mean, he's been quoted saying things you wouldn't believe. Okay, He's so foul-mouthed, Bush, I mean, I'm talking F-word, the whole nine yards. He's so foul-mouthed that he has to have political aides around him constantly because he has a lot of outbursts anymore where he just loses his temper many times in public venues and they have to basically go and make sure the media doesn't report any of this because he's so out of control with his, with his um, temper. See, he he's thinking he's going to be the ne next great dictator of the world and he's getting to a point where he's not really caring what anybody thinks anymore. Because He's in control of the media and a lot of different things in the in the country. Um, he goes on to uh, to say in here. I'm just going to skip over. It says now finally this traitorous clique of elitists has stepped out of the shadows into light. Now I don't want to blame all this on George Bush because there's 13 families that really control the world. This is what we would term as the Illuminati. The Rothschilds being at the very very head of the Illuminati, and they're the ones that have their politicians as puppets. They're basically acting on their commands. Um, so I don't want to just blame all this on George Bush or Cheney, but he is definitely out of control. But I pray I pray for these, and I would really encourage all Christians. But see, here's another thing. If, if you don't know about this going on, how do you know what to pray for? If you think George, George Bush is a great Christian person, then... Oh, God, help guide him. He don't... you got to understand, the man is a generational... I go out on a limb. I, I say he's a generational Luciferian. I can prove it by his bloodlines. Okay? There's a book named, written by Fritz Springmeier called Bloodlines of the Illuminati where he goes through and he documents all of the bloodlines of all of our presidents. And guess what? They're all satanic. These people... Why is it that in the last three presidencies or the last three presidential terms, 
the vast majority, the only one that wasn't in it was Clinton. They were all stolen bones from Yale. Well, that's a very, very elite society. They only graduate 15 people like per year that let they let come in in the skull and bones. And you're telling me out of the last, I don't know how many years of our country, 16 years of the country, we've had um, three different presidential terms where those men were, were skull and bones? Isn't, is that kind of a coincidence? Hmm. This ultra, ultra elite uh, satanics fraternity at Yale. Okay? And Kerry, who ran against Bush last time, he was skull and bones too. And they take blood oaths toward one another that they, that they will do, just like the Masons do, that they will do, they'll never reveal the secrets of their, their secret fraternity, and their allegiance lies to one another. It isn't the country, it isn't to God, their allegiance lies to one and they protect one another. Well, that's how all of our presidents have come up through this junk, including Abraham Lincoln, including George Watt, the whole nine yards, I'm telling you. So, there's, there's a, it's like a satanic plot that, that really has worked its way through the fabric of America. And a lot of people say, oh, you're a conspiracy freak nut. Well, I can prove what I'm saying, though. It's one thing if I can say something and I can't prove it, and it's just theory. Well, anyway, it's kind of like it's coming to a head right now. And they go into this article and it says, Now finally this traitorous clique of elitists has stepped out of the shadows into the light. No longer need they fear public disapproval. See, they're getting so flagrant with what they're doing anymore. It's so obvious. They're not hiding it anymore. They're not hiding it anymore. And it makes it easier for somebody like me because I can say, they're, I mean, they're not even trying to hide it anymore, what they're doing. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a little slice of that today. So effective has been their psychological brainwashing campaign, that's primarily through the TV, okay, and the newspapers, and the radio, okay, but primarily I think it's through the TV. They've brainwashed this country, brainwashed, and I mean that, they've brainwashed them. And they're dumbing down of the citizenry, the arrogant plotters believe they can finally come out and defiantly show themselves. Evidently they think no one is able to stop or even delay their bold plot to murder, yes, Murder America. The Council of Foreign Relations has even published a despicable plan in a book entitled Building a North American Community. Now, the, now the Council of Foreign Relations is one of the very, very high satanic organizations that controls world politics. It's called the CFR. Okay, we've got a lot of people in our country that are involved in the CFR. It's kind of like the United Nations, kind of like that. Long, they're all moving in the same direction. Um, this plan in this book... And here's a, that's a copy of the book, the cover, Building a North American Community. And this is from the Council of Foreign Relations. Uh, and what it says here, it requires President Bush and the U.S. Congress to dissolve the United States, as we know it. Now, I've been sending out, I don't know how many emails lately, on the fact that what they're going to do is they're going to take Canada and Mexico, they're going to erase the borders, and we're going to have one big super country, like they've already done over in Europe. They've already done it in Europe. We're going to have one currency. And I'm going to get into that. Okay? But they're, they're going to dissolve the United States as an independent nation and allow Mexican illegal aliens free access to America, land, and resources. You think it's bad now with the illegal aliens. And this is why I'm really wondering, you know, you know, whatever God would have us do, I just pray to God for our individual circumstances He would show us. Because it's fixing to get bad. <laughs> it's already bad, but, but but there's going to be a lot of things, actions that are taking place in the next couple years that are are going to make it unbearable almost. Um, this is off, This book was authorized by three elite members of the New York-based organization, the CFR. The, the book calls for an ending of American sovereignty and an overthrow of the American Constitution and the government. That's what this book calls for. The CFR's membership is 4,275 conspirators backed by the organization's predominantly Zionist, Zionist Jew leadership. Now, Tex Mars is real big on saying this is totally a Zionist Jew plot to destroy the world. Well, yes, I do believe there's a lot of Zionist Jews at the top. Jesus referred to them in Revelation. He says that these are the ones that are of the synagogue of Satan. There's Jews that are of the synagogue of Satan, and they're evil, okay? That doesn't mean that I'm going to throw the whole baby out of the bathwater and condemn the Jewish race 
because God's not through with them. Blindness in part has happened to the Jew till the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Most likely that's going to be at the start of the tribulation when the fullness of the Gentile will finally come in. And then the Jews' eyes, I believe, are going to start slowly being opened. And you can go through in the Bible and prove that thing out. Okay? But he's just blaming it all on the Jews and I don't go that far. Okay? Um... It says, though, that by the year 2010, America, as we once knew it, will no longer exist. 2010. Now, we, we're, 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 getting, we're getting a national ID card in May of 2008. And that's bad enough, because you won't be able to board a plane or go across state lines and these types of things. Or open a bank account. Um, Taylor, later. Later. Um, so, this is... This is these are the plans. This is what's gonna they're they're planning on doing to America by 2010. A new currency called the Amero will replace the dollar. Um, that's going to be a one a currency like they've got the euro over in Europe now in the European Union. They're going to have a currency here called the Amero, and it's going to do away with our dollar. All borders between Mexico and the U.S. and A. and Canada will be erased. And the border patrol will be retired. So they can just come and go, well, whatever. Just come, let the illegal aliens come. They're not illegal anymore. They're just they're one big happy family. Three, a North American parliament group composed of Mexican politicians and U.S. quislings will take over legislative authority and supersede in our own Senate and House. So we're going to do away with our own Senate, our own House. We're going to have this, this Mexican-American type of government. A North American Judicial Council or Tribunal will take over ju the judicial function and demote the U.S. Supreme Court to an advisory-only role. So our Supreme Court's going to be gone. A joint executive authority will be set up possibly with its capital in Mexico City or Toronto to dictate to U.S. citizens the terms of surrender. Whatever. Um, the 1.6 million Mex citizens of Mexico will be given full rights by the defunct USA and will be allowed to enter our territory, reconquer and seize whatever lands and property they wish within the one sovereign USA. I, I just... Ugh, I get angry reading this. The Bill of Rights will be abolished and North American Declaration of Rights will be drawn up. It will comprise a shrunken list of abridged governmental granted privileges more, more sustainable to our changed more suitable to our changed times. Over 100 million Mexicans living south of the border, plus 20 million more Mexicans now residing illegally in the U.S., will be awarded full Social Security and Medicare benefits and have a full job, voting, and other rights granted to them. American taxpayers will foot the bill. See, they're, they're trying to destroy us. They're trying to destroy America and the middle class in particular. Mexican workers will be given affirmative action and preferential job quotas. I mean, and you think, well, this could never happen. But look what they've already done with the illegal aliens this year. They're, they're, they're marching in our streets openly, and they're illegal. And we're sitting here, and they should be rounded up by, by um, the police and deported all back to Mexico. But, oh, who, who would pick our tomatoes? We would collapse if we didn't have anybody to make our tomatoes. You know, that's the lie we're being, that's being shoved down our throat. See... Because they've gone this far already with it, and there's really been not any public outcry, the Mexicans, the stinking Mexicans are the ones marching in the street, not the Americans. No. We're, we're just sitting idly by for the most part. What that does is it tells these 13 families that run the world, it shows Bush and it shows Cheney, that they're ready to implement further draconian or evil Agenda further. Okay, see, now they've got all this mapped out. They said, okay, we started here, and now we want to get to here. They're implementing their plan slowly, incrementally. They could have never done this all at once. The Americans would have never went for it. But we're so dumbed down and apathetic at this point, and so brainwashed, that they're able to, to get more and more aggressive with their, with their plan. Now, I'm just talking about Americans in general here. Um... Hispanic-owned corporations will be favored with governmental grants and contracts. The economies of the Mexico, the former USA, and the Canada, Canada will be totally merged in a four-football field 
wide highway called the NAFTA Superhighway is already being built. Thousands of air-polluting Mexican trucks and vehicles will rumble up I-35 and, and disperse to various states. Now, this, this, this superhighway is already being built. I've put out several emails on it. It's going to come straight up through Texas, and it's going to go right through America, and they're going to be able to come right off. And um, it's this, this superhighway. The existing 50 American states will be formally dissolved, and the former USA will be divided into 10 weakened administrative regions. Ten regions. That was proposed a long time ago through Homeland Security and FEMA. These mandates, we're going to be in regions now. We're not going to have states anymore. What about Europe and South America? Europe and South America are a different deal altogether. Taylor, it's a different deal. I'll explain it to you later if you have more questions on it. That, that's there. There are already Europe's already done this. Europe's already done this. South America hasn't done this yet. Okay, so then we've got um, Spanish and English will be both rec. Now this is in this book when I'm reading you. I just found out if you want to actually get a copy of this book, if you go to Illuminati-news.com and look under what's new for July, they'll send you, was it a copy of, uh, of the, the, like the, they'll send you someplace where you can get a copy of this book so you can read this for yourself. Now, obviously, this is a condensation of what the book says. Um, Spanish and English will be both recognized as joint official languages. Mexican textbooks critical of the United States history and disrespectful of American gringo traditions will be required in all North American schools. <laughs> I think it's bad with the gays for shoving this down our throat. We're, we're gonna, you, North American Union will join the European community and ASEAN, which is the Asian European Union, or Asian Union, as three major subdivisions of the planned global governance system as envisioned by the Rockefeller's Trilateral Commissions. Now remember, in the book of Revelation, there's ten kings in the book of Revelation. There's going to be ten, the world's going to be divided into ten regions. And these regions are going to have ten kings over them. Okay? That's where, that's where we're moving to. This is totally lining up with biblical prophecy here. Um, here's, a, here's a picture here of Bush and President Mexico's President Vicente Fox and Canadian Prime Minister here in the little picture. And they relax and they chat after signing a new CFR which is the Council on Foreign Relations prepared pact designed to dissolve the United States as a separate and independent nation. President Bush and congressional leaders are now pushing for amnesty and full citizenship for all Amer Mexican illegals in the USA. That is only one of the scores of changes that must take place by the year 2010, according to the CFR agenda. As shocking as the CFR plot is, equally upsetting is that President George Bush, Mexican President Vicente Fox, and Canadian Prime Minister... Paul Martin, met in Waco, Texas, oh, that's appropriate, on March 23, 2005, and signed a secret pact called the Security and Prosperity Partnership. That pact prepared by the CFR and the Bilderberg, and Bilderberg's another corrupt uh, one-world government organization. Yeah, it's, it's, a new, it's a new, actually, a new um, uh, fast food line, Bilderberger. Yeah, that, that you, you go there and you build your own burger. Sorry, I had to interject a little humor into that. I just thought of that. I just off the cuff. Off the cuff humor at its finest. Sorry. I don't want to think of myself more highly than I ought. <laughs> so, anyway. I have to interject some humor into this because it's too, it's too heavy duty. So, anyway. Um, uh, anyway, that pact prepared by the CFR and Bilderberg administration set forth a step-by-step -step on what each nation must do to ensure the new merged slave nation, the North American Union. The, and it must be fully operational by 2010. Now, I will say this. They wanted to have all of this in place by the year 2000. Okay? So, it's not as though there hasn't been major monkey wrenches thrown into their machinery, too. Okay, I'm not saying this is going to absolutely... This is their goal. Whether the national ID card actually fully hits in 2008, I don't know. But I know one thing. If we expose the darkness that's going on, then there's a good chance this stuff is going to get delayed and pushed forward. What my goal, what my hope would be, is that the 
the remnant, the body of Christ, would wake up and start really primarily praying about this, because that's where the job really gets done. And then also that the Lord could maybe possibly put us in some type of position where we're prepared. I mean, the Bible says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. The simple pass on and are punished. So, a Christian, I don't see what advantage it gains a Christian by sticking his head in the sand and saying, oh, this is never going to happen, and, and Bush is a good godly president. They're believing a lie. They're believing it and they're living a lie. What advantage does that gain for the Christian? So, I'm of the opinion that whether they want to acknowledge it or not, if they're shown the truth, at least... You know they're about they're of no they're with no excuse, which I think it'd be better if they're of no excuse. And hopefully the true remnant praying Christians can pray about this thing, and God can use them in a mighty way regarding the times we're moving into. Okay, because God's going to have to use somebody. Is is He just going to abandon this remnant? Is all this just going to happen? We're all going to die? I don't believe that. I, I just don't. I don't see any biblical precedents for that. He He delivered. And the Bible refers to him as just Lot, out of out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was living there in the city, and he and it said his righteous soul was vexed from day to day. Well, what? Why do you get out? I mean, you're raising your family there. At the end, you got so bad that you basically said, "Here, take my two virgin daughters and have have your way with them." I don't. I'm sorry, dude. That doesn't compute to me. Those angels were big boys. Okay, they can handle them, and then, they, and then they smote them all blind. But, but the Bible yet refers to, to Lot as a righteous person. And I believe we're going to see him in heaven. He's listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Praise God, there's, there's hope for me. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it is pretty encouraging, you know what I mean? I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine doing what he did, and then he ends up having sex with his two daughters because they got him drunk. And then from that, from that sexual union there came, I think, the Amorites and the... Two wicked, wicked, wicked races. Yet, the Bible calls him a righteous, just man. Well, praise the Lord. But, I don't know. I don't even know why I got off on that tangent. But, that there's just a lot going on right now that um, I'm hoping that God will use the remnant that's left. Because I don't know. He always uses his remnant. Let's face it. You go in the Bible. He always uses his remnant. That's why... It's best to be as right with the Lord Jesus Christ right now as you possibly can be. Because I want to be used going into the times we're moving into. And um, I don't want to do anything to deny him or turn my back on him or whatever. Um, so we go a little further and it says, Forget about the fact that the U.S. Constitution requires the presidents to submit treaties, such as the Senate for a vote, Imperial dictator Bush knows that no... That's how, that's how people are just referring to Bush anymore. When I'm reading articles, they're just referring to him as Imperial Dictator Bush. It's like they're not even... He, and, and he is so flagrant what he's been doing, you, you can't really blame him. It says, Dictator Bush knows that no U.S. Senator would dare to utter one word of protest against the CFR plot. That would be the kiss of death for his or her senatorial career. See, what they do is when you get into high office, when you're a senator, when you're a governor, when you're a congressman, typically the only way you've ever got that far, because the, the election process is totally rigged in this country at this point, if you, not, if you don't believe that, go to votescam.com, where they lay it all out. The guy that started that website died as a result of it. They killed him. His name was Alex Collier. I've got one of his videos. But anyway, that, that's... That's old news, that the vote, the voting system in this country is rigged. That's why they wanted to get us all on electronic voting, because a paper ballot is a, is a paper trail. Whereas an electronic ballot, they can just cook the numbers any way they want to cook them. I just sent an email on that the other day, too. Well, anyway, um, if you go against... The powers that be, if you're senator government, usually they've got so much dirt on you that they could end your senatorial or your governor career overnight. All it takes is a little whisper to the to the to the news media, and they've got this big article about you that discredits you, and you have to resign in shame. So they all know that. Um, that's why you don't get in bed with the devil, and they've all got in bed with the devil, unfortunately, to get to that level. 
Ron Paul is probably about the only one I would have to say if there was ever if there was one clean congressman out there, he's the only one I know of. Um, having disposed of the American sovereignty, the New World Order forged by Bush and Gorbachev in the 80s and cemented by the traitorous Clinton-Bush-Democrat-Republican alliances will finally become a reality. The flying the ointment, of course, will be the small contingent of true American patriots and I would really say the small contingent of true American biblically on their knees King James only praying people, Bible believers. Okay? That's the, that's the fly in the ointment. And I don't, I don't want to give it just the fly in the ointment because it's more than a fly in the ointment because God can do great things. It's just that we got to be woke up to the truth before we can know how to pray. <laughs> if we're living a life of deception and lies and thinking that our government's this way and our how do we pray right? Because we're living a lie. You know? I pray Psalm 64 over these people every day. Every single day. Why? Because I want to see them all going rot in hell? No, it's not. I pray to God that their souls be saved. But if you really look at Psalm 64, that's what Psalm 64 is all about. Souls getting saved. Because it, it says, and God shall shoot at them with an arrow. God will shoot at these people with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them, when this happens, when God does this, shall flee away. And they shall wisely consider of his doing. Who's doing? God's doing. We need fear of God to fall on this nation in order for people to repent. Without that happening, people will not repent. People aren't just going to wake up one day and say, you know something, I'm tired of living like the devil. And I'm just going to start living a right. I'm going to get me a King James Bible, I'm going to start a... It's not going to happen. It doesn't just happen for no reason. So, that's the thing that I'm praying for is God does whatever it takes to our country to get people to wake up to this. Because um, truly, that's the, the the true Christian remnant praying is, is our only hope. And a Christian remnant that's right with God. So now, this is why the Bush administration re recently gave Halliburton a $385 million contract to build new detention camps. And I've mentioned this before. Uh, it's also why NSA computers have our names tagged in a dissident database. If necessary, they will get rid of us permanently. American military forces will enforce the New World Order. Well, them and, and Mexican and other foreign officers will no doubt be given high military commands to guard against mutiny of the angry U.S. soldiers. See, now, if they bring in foreign troops into America, which they've already done, they have no allegiance to us. They hate us. Other countries hate our guts because of what they view America's done to them, which they've got probably a, a legitimate, I guess you'd say the word beef, which I can't stand that word, but they've got a legitimate gripe against us. Other countries in other parts of the world, for the most part, hate us. And I, I mean, I don't know how else nicer I could say it. And they're, if their military is able to come over here, and when it gets real bad here, they're the ones enforcing the laws, well, hey, that's good for them. they got to finally get to beat up on these, on these stinking gringos that have done all this to them, even though they've come over here and, and essentially ruined our country. But that's okay for, for you know, them to come and do this to us. Um, it says, a few rogue nations, Venezuela, Cuba, must be dealt with. Now, see, that's why Venezuela and Cuba are being so vilified in the news. Because they're not going along with this. And Venezuela is a major, major, major oil exporter. And Venezuela is not going along with this plan. Or Cuba, and there's some other countries too. Um, he goes on to say, so anyway, this is, um, this is something that, that we're looking at. It's kind of like looking down the barrel, a, a gun barrel. This is kind of facing us. Um... He goes on to give the a lot name a lot of names here. I don't even know if that's so much important at this point. I think it's more important as a Christian that they're praying against this. Um, here's a guy named Carl Rove giving the bilateral cornudo sign, which is the horn sign like this, which is a sign for Hail Satan. This is the sign that Anton LaVey is flashing on the back of the Satanic Bible. You see him there sitting there and he's got the cornudo sign. Bush signs... 
all of our politicians, I mean, I don't know how many images I have of, of our politicians doing this sign. It's Hail Satan, okay? White House strategist Karl Rove is shown here confidently displaying, it's called the El Diablo, or the Cornudo sign, Horned Devil's hand sign, with both hands just after having met with Republican congressmen and giving them their marching orders on the illegal immigration issue. Rove's immediate boss is Joshua Bolton, who is a Zionist Jew who runs things as the President Bush Chief of Staff. Um, so, he's, what he's kind of showing is how this is all interrelated, that, that it's all interrelated in our high government. And this is why it's very, very important. Um, he's got a two-CD or audio cassette tape where he gets into this also that you can order from Tex Mars. His, min, his, his uh, website is just Tex Mars, T-E-X-E, Mars, M-A-R-R-S dot com, www. And uh, you can go up to his website and see that. So, anyway, uh, it's, it's definitely heating up um, with what we've been dealing with here. Um, this is an interesting article I sent out this week. as IBM, the Nazis, and the Digital Angel. This is the implantable chip. As history has a funny habit of repeating itself, study of World War II closely on how the IBM-backed Nazi regime... Now, you heard me say that right. IBM is one of the main companies that was behind the Nazis. Okay, or Hitler's Nazis. So was the company Bayer that makes Bayer aspirin. So was the company TDK that makes um, a lot of the audio recording uh, tapes, TDK. Um, so was a company called IG Farben, which is actually where we get most of our modern pharmaceutical companies came from IG Farben. Um, actually, it's standard for International Gefährten, um, which is what IG stands for, Farben. It was a, it was a German company. And, the, and IG Farben was the driving monetary money force behind Hitler. That's where Hitler got his money. Hitler was a failed house painter. Okay, How could this failed house painter all of a sudden rise to this preeminence where he had all this millions, in, in, by our standards, billions and billions and billions of dollars backing the German war machine. What was that all about? Well, like everything else, that war was contrived. And it was, it was all about making money through the manufacture of arms, through the manufacture of tanks, weapons. This wars generate a ton of money for these companies. And it's very, very important for all these countries when they get to a Nazi-like dictatorship, like we're approaching in America, like they had a Nazi Hitler, to track people. They've got to be able to track them. What was the way that Hitler tracked his people? Through IBM. Now, that's how he tracked them. The IBM-backed Nazi regime, including what they call the Hollerinth machine. This was the, this was the machine made by IBM to track the people. The Hollerinth machine was a punch card system that aided in categorizing the population. This was in Nazi Germany. This IBM technology gave the fascist totalitarian state the much-needed technology to boost or increase its rate of human data processing. The goal was simple, extreme, extreme nationalism, which called for the unification of all German-speaking peoples and the eradicating of the enemies of the state, namely the Jews. See, that's why they want a national ID card for us. If they can give you something that you can't open a bank account, you can't go across state lines, you can't get on a plane, then that's control. Okay, and that's what they got slated for May 2008. Well, fast forward now to the year 2006. We have IBM funding the apparent company of Verichip, which is the Applied Digital Solutions, the digital angel microchip they want to start injecting in everybody. Medicaid, or no, Medicare, no, Blue Cross Blue Shield is already wanting to require their recipients to get microchipped. I just sent, I'm just sending out the article this week on their, on their, their elderly to get microchipped for tracking purposes and so that they can monitor their health stuff. This couldn't have anything to do with the mark of the beast, could it? Oh, no, no. Totally non-related, you know. In the Bible, receive a right hand on the forehead or the, or the hand. No, no, no relation. No relation. That's basically what they're saying. They, they interview, like, the guy for Digital Angel, the, the, the CEO. I've seen several interviews with the guy online. And, you know, oh, you know, they, they just blow all that off. Like, it's like it's not even something worth considering, you know. And, and here this guy is... You know, it, it might as well just be the stinking devil with a pitchfork and, t and, and, uh, and horns and a pointy tail up there. They might as well just interview the devil 
You know, and what would the devil say? Oh, no. This has nothing to do with the mark of the beast that we're going to force on you. <laughs> nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, it says that, now see, IBM, current IBM today, is funding and working with Applied Digital Solutions, Verichip, the chip company. So they haven't changed their agenda. IBM hasn't changed their agenda since then. The Verichip Corporation is both FDA approved and patented by the owner. There's the patent number. I got it right here. Um, and you can go up and you can see a whole video on IBM, the Nazis, and the, and the digital angel Verichip. Whole video. All you got to do is click on this little link here and it'll, you can watch the whole video. There's a whole organization right now called We Will... We the people will not be chipped.com. Whole organization. You can go up there, sign a petition. I sign the petition, send it in. I sign all these petitions. I don't care. I'm on every single list. I guarantee you. They targeted me every. I don't care. I'm like, I'm to the point where to live is Christ and where to die is gain. And, and, and knowing what we got potentially facing us in America, <laughs> you know, to me, death is good. Very, very good. But if you think about it, what is death as a, as a born again Christian? It is the door to eternity. To, you can't even comprehend it in a million billion years, your little mind would explode if it even had a, a it can't comprehend. The Bible even says you can't comprehend it. For, for those that, that called him, for those that are called according to his purpose. So you your mind can't comprehend what we've got in store for us. Indigo children. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about. We're going to go back to our Bible study. Anybody heard of indigo children here? Okay. You, you've heard of it. Well, yeah, you, but you get, you get my... You, like, get the seven-day-a-week, 24-7 preaching from me. They only get the one-day-a-week stuff. <laughs> anyway, indigo children. I don't know if you, anybody heard about these things. First time I heard about this was about a year, a year and a half, two years ago. We were over at a friend's house. Taylor was spending the night, and this lady brought up the fact that she felt as though her granddaughter might be an indigo children. And I'm like, what is that? Well, it's these special children that are being born around the world, and they have these special gifts. And they're supposedly going to be the savior of humanity. Oh yeah, this is big deal now. They're running. You can go up here. This article that I sent out, ABC News, so-called indigo, indigo teen says she can read people. I went and watched every one of these little video clips for about five minutes. And ABC News is reporting on this. Okay, so it's got to be real. Anyway, this one girl, Sandy Burser, said she's always felt different than other kids and generally prefers the company of adults. They were they were interviewing all of these indigo children. Tammy and Aaron Glover say their first child, Angela, Angela, was usually unusually gifted when she was very young. By the time she was two, she could speak in Spanish and sing in French. As she grew older, they claimed she would dream things that would, that would happen with a great sense of empathy. They have these special psychic abilities, and they're born with them. Now, what I think it is, is that we're in the end times. We have parents, a lot of them came from the 60s, generation where they were absolutely demonically infested through drugs and these other things. Well, do you think that might affect their kids demonically, from a demonic, spiritually, the curse of the forefather are, are, cast, are passing in the third and fourth generation? Well, you've got all of this demonic activity taking place, and now it's getting concentrated into the kids, because the devil knows that if he can get the kids, then that's just a matter of time before he has the nation. And that's where we're, we're going right. That's why there's a lot of apathy to a lot of this stuff, because that's all a lot of these kids have ever known. Well, these kids are being born, and they're called indigo children, supposedly because if you can... There's ways you can go. It's called through cur curling photography, and you can, you can take a picture of your aura, see what your aura looks like. Your aura is like the energy field around you, and it's, and it's a particular co color, and it can be documented. Okay, I know they say a lot of it's new age, but this photography is real, that they do. They take a picture of you and you can see this big energy field around you. It's got to be something. Okay. And it's not demonic because everybody's got one. Okay. Of course, I think it can be of a demonic realm. Well, supposedly, when they do curling photography of all these kids, they all have an indigo aura. That's why they call them indigo children. Okay. 
So I, what that all means, I'm not 100% sure. But they all have this aura. They're all born... That I was watching this. All of them have, have uh, had past lives. They all remember their past, past lives vividly. One, this one lady had her daughter and she says she was my mother. <laughs> what a lie from the stinking pit of hell that is. My little girl's my mother. What a dysfunctional relationship that's got to be. Well, hey, Mom, you just peed yourself again, and I'm really not going to take this anymore. I'm tired of it. Wouldn't that be bizarre, that type of relationship, you know? Well, she's, she's doing this with, with, with her little girl. And, you know, little girl, we go, to, we go to her to get advice. Give me a break. Well, she tells about her past lives, and she tells about, she tells them about, um, maybe their past lives. She can see into the future. She's a psychic. She, they could see dead people. That's one of the main things these indigo children could do. They could see dead people. Um, what, Taylor? Um, do, do they ever tell them that they need to give them ice cream? I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. So, um, oh, get it out of the white, the white little guy on the sink. I don't, Oh, no, hold on, hold on. You can get it out of that, that silver thing. No, but I got ice cubes above. Sorry, I kind of... Anyway, I'll get back to this. So, these indigo children, they can, they, can, they can see in past lives, they see the dead. In fact, this one was relating to that, that her... She was talking to her friend, and her friend's dad had just died. And then right then... Her, her, this, this dad supposedly visited this indigo child. And so she went back to her friend that night and she said, yeah, your dad, your dad visited me before he left and he wanted to tell you this, this, and this and that he's going to a better place and all this other junk. See the lie straight from the pit of hell with this stuff? That's why I warn about it all the time. Because most Christians wouldn't even be able to discern this. They'd say, well, that, well... Maybe that is true. Why, why don't I just throw this book in the trash? It's, uh, it, well, this is real, but that's real too, and then everybody's got their own reality. No, it's not like that. No, it's not. It's not like that. So I'm just, I just kind of wanted to say all that, to say that this is a lie straight from the bit of hell. You're going to see a lot more about these indigo children coming up. Um, this one, I had talked about this before. I had seen this kid. This kid, at the age of two, started recalling all these things from World War II. He had all this unbelievable knowledge about these planes that he supposedly flew in World War II. He knew names, and they started doing research on these exact names, and they found there was a man that had this name that flew in World War II, this exact aircraft, and this kid said he was the reincarnation of that man. And, there no, and he had no relation to this man at all. Well, that, that must be real, Brother Johnson, because how could he have known? What? And they, one day they took him to, like, this U.S. Air Force base, and they showed him yeah. all these planes in the thing. Some of the people didn't even know some of these answers, and they had yeah. to ask the little kid for Yeah, he, he knew about all these planes. They would take him to these museums, and he'd say, yeah, this is the plane I flew, this is this. I mean, he would know things about the plane, little things that they had on the plane on it, that, no, that you wouldn't know. Now, well, how, how could that be? That really rocks my theology, uh, Brother Johnson. It doesn't rock mine. Here's how it happens. The Bible talks about when Saul went to the witch of Endor. Why did he go to the witch of Endor? Because she had, quote, from the King James Bible, a familiar spirit. Well, what is that? It's a, it's a spirit that's familiar with you, dude. You This, this spirit is familiar with you and your past. He's been around you. He might have been possessing you. In the case of the Witch of Endor, I'm sure it was possessing her. This spirit can talk to other spirits. It knows about people's past. Um, past. It knows about these types of things. And if need be, it can gain information from the other demons or other fallen angels about a given person or situation. Do you think if the devil is an unseen spirit, and we can't see him. He kind of has a little advantage on us, doesn't he? Because he can go your whole life and be around you and observe your actions and know everything about you and report to other demons. That's how the whole psychic um, talking to uh, dead people, necromancy thing happens. These spirits appear as 
the departed spirits of lost loved ones. In this case, this familiar spirit, for one reason or another, had gotten put into this little boy. Okay? This spirit was in communication with this little boy. Therefore, this little boy was deceived and lied to to think that he was this man from a past life. And he, in the spirit, imparted knowledge to this little boy that only that man from that past life could have known. That's all it is. If the devil... you know how many people will go to hell because of this one story, though? Because they, they think, well, if that... Because, see, if, if, if we have past lives, then the Bible's a lie. We might as well just throw the whole book out. So, see, this is how God does... Or, or this is how the devil does things to deceive people. On, on this stuff. So, anyway, I wanted just to kind of touch on those things for you. And, um, I just had a question on, on, on how, um, how, what, what's my take on how could things, how could God let these children be deceived from a very early age and ultimately live a life where they end up going to hell? Now, I'm not saying that if they were killed, before the age of accountability, which I think that's probably different for every child, where they truly know the difference between good and evil, and they choose the evil way. And again, I'm not 100% sure how that all plays out, because I don't think the Bible is 100% dogmatically clear on that whole thing. So I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a theologian on that, okay? But he, the question was essentially, you know, how could God allow this to happen? How, and, and, and how could... God allow this to happen generation after generation after generation. Now, I don't have a clear definitive answer, but I have theories. And again, the Bible says we see through a glass, but darkly. So some of this stuff we're not going to understand fully until we get to heaven. But think about this. In Noah's day, and the Bible says that so as, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What happened in Noah's day? Eight people on earth got set. Well, they were saved from the flood. Of course, I think Ham and his wife were wicked. Okay, and I think the Bible can bear that thing out. But ultimately, there were eight people that were saved by the flood. Now, the Bible says that there were giants in those days, and that they saw that the, the, that there were um, the daughters of men, and saw that they were fair, and they took them as wives, and then these fallen angels took them to be wise, and out of them was this offspring called the Nephilim. They were the giants. I believe that what had happened in Noah's day is the seed had been so corrupted, because see, they knew in the Garden of Eden that Satan knew that it said his, Eid is going to bru his seed is going to bruise your head. So Satan, what was Satan's agenda? Well, if I can destroy all of God's seed, then there's going to be nothing to bruise my head. Who ultimately bruised his head? Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay? But Satan has always been trying to kill off and corrupt and pollute humanity because he doesn't he knows ultimately the seed was going to bruise his head. And ultimately he was going to work through Adam's seed in order to bring about Satan's destruction, okay? And, and again, now we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Why are things the way they are? Why? How could God tell David to go into a um, uh, into the promised land, into Jericho, and into several cities, and say, "Slay every man, woman, child, beast. Don't even take anything out of the city." Well, that's not the God I serve. Well, maybe it's not the God you serve, but it's the God I serve, and that's cruel. He would never do that. No, you've just put yourself on the throne as God, is what you've just done. You've just created your own religion, and it's not your rules, dude. It's, it's God's rules. I think what's happened, it's very, very obvious what, what has happened in those cities where there were giants that had come into the promised land. Now, this was after the flood. And it's, it even makes mention of that in the Bible. It says, and they, there were giants in the land during that time and then after that. There were giants in the flood after that too. That's what David had to deal with when he went into the promised land. And again, why were they, why were they just there in the promised land? Because I believe Satan knew what he, the land that he had promised Abraham and Satan preemptively put his demonic people in that land so that when they went in there, they would become discouraged like they did when the spies went in to spy out and they said, oh no, where's grasshoppers in their sight? No. There was two, Caleb and the, and the other one, Joshua and Caleb. 
And they, and they came back with a good report. But the other ten spies said, no, we can't defeat them. That's why Satan did it, because they don't want them to go in there, in, into the promised land. They're there to discourage us and defeat us. When they went in and they killed all those people in, in Jericho and in these, these cities that were totally demonically taken over, what was the common denominator? The seed had been corrupted. The seed... See, you can't have a fallen angelic, half-fallen angelic, half-human being saved. I don't think that's possible. That's what they were. That's what these people were. They were half-fallen angel, half-human. There were giants there. The king of Bashan, of Og, was like, was he like 14 feet tall or something? It, it, gave the, it gave the dimensions of his bed in the Bible. The thing was huge, okay? They weren't human. Person, an entity like that cannot get saved. So in that case, if God tells them to go in and slay every man, woman, beast, now there's also a big demonic change exchange that takes place, so much so that even the material things get corrupted. They couldn't even bring out anything out of these cities, some of the cities, because they'd have been so polluted and corrupted. Well, I don't remember that anywhere. Well, look at Achan. Achan brought out the Babylonian garment and two wedges of was gold or silver, buried them, they went into the next battle and they lost the next battle because he had brought sin into the camp. That is how demonically infested and polluted it had become in Jericho and these cities. That's why God said you got to go in there, you got to kill everything that has breath. Even the animals were demonically infested. And you don't take anything out of those cities. Well, isn't that what happened in Noah's day? If you think about it, Noah was a righteous man, and the Bible says and that he was a perfect man in all his ways. Now, there's a lot of people that know about this whole thing, where it says, so as it was the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what they meant by perfect is, obviously, he wasn't walking in sinless perfection all the days of his life. Well, there's only one person that's ever done that. The Bible says, no, there's not one that's righteous. All of sin called come short of the glory of God. So it wasn't in reference to that he was a perfect human being like Jesus Christ. If he was like Jesus Christ, then, then he could have bore our sins. Noah couldn't do that. So what does it mean by when he was, it says he was perfect in all his ways? Well, could it be that his bloodline hadn't been corrupted by these fallen angelic beings? Could that be why every single person, man, woman, child, and beast, other than the ones that were on the ark, had to die on earth. He had to send a worldwide flood to kill everybody. Well, that's not nice. The seed had been corrupted, is what I'm telling you. The seed had been corrupted. Now, we're living in the same day. So as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. How could these kids be like this? Hey, I don't know. All I can tell you is I can point to the Bible several places where every man, woman, child, and beast were all killed. Every one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> so you could say, well, how, how could God send all those, those people to hell? Well, look at the seed. Go back to the seed. Because that is a many times... Because you might just be looking at the, the given instance or circumstance on saying, no, that doesn't seem right. But you've got to go back. You always reap much more than you sow. Look at the one mistake Abraham made when, when he went into his handmaiden and bore Ishmael, and Ishmael was a wild man, and it said his hand would be against every man. Look at the trouble that's caused in the Middle East. Look at the fruit of that. That's a whole nation that's basically going to hell. But what was the start of it? The start of that whole nation was a... Was a um, um, thank you. Um, the start of that whole nation was bore out of, out of a disobedient command toward God. Then you look at Lot. Lot had sex with his two daughters, and out of them came the Amorites and then one other really wicked, wicked race. Well, how could he send those people to hell? Well, that was, a, that was an abomination in the sight of God, what happened there. So see, I'm really, really, really big on explaining this by going back to the origin. Now, scary thing is, as the Bible says, so, the, so as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well... That couldn't happen. We're not going to have half-alien, half-human hybrid. Oh, I guarantee you we're going to have them. They're already here. Because, number one, the Bible said it. That's all I need to know. Number two, maybe this has something to do with all this alien junk that's being crammed down our throat. Now, all they are demonic entities 
Uh, what 100% they are, I, don't, I know one thing, I know they're demonic, and I know they're of a fallen angelic nature. They have something to do with that whole thing. Well, isn't that been Satan's chief way that he's corrupted the seed? Yeah. Well, maybe that's why we see all these things about people getting abducted. Women turning up, um, they get abducted, and then all of a sudden they're pregnant the next month, and then, and then they get to their seventh or eighth or month, and all of a sudden the baby disappears. You, I can't tell you how many stories there's been of this. Documented stories. What are they doing with these kids? These demonic offspring. Could they be walking among us right now? We're not even... Sure they could. I mean, in Noah's day, everybody save eight people were that. So as it was the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Does that mean I think only eight people are going to be saved on earth? No, I'm not saying that. But it says it's going to be like that time. So... Maybe that's why, you know, people could just be so stinking apathetic, like the way they are now, because it, it's so everything's so demonically infested that it's just affecting people's thought patterns and the way that they're they're. So, if I could answer that question, that's about the best way I can answer that question. Um, then you might also have a race that at one time. I mean, let's face it, all the races that we have on today have stemmed from Ham, Japheth, and Shem. Those three kids knew the truth. They knew the truth. All three of them. Now, Ham went off and chose to do what he did. Whether Shem and Japheth were saved, I mean, according to, did, are we going to see him in heaven? I think there's a good chance. I don't think we're going to see him in heaven. Okay. Now, could it be that Shem and Japheth's decision to serve the Lord would influence the rest of their offspring? Just like Ham's vile act that he committed toward Noah influenced all his offspring? Does that mean that all people that are, that are of Shem and of Japheth are all going to heaven? Obviously, no. But there was at one point in, in that lineage that there was somebody in that lineage like, let's say, uh, uh, Shem's descendants. Shem knew the truth. I guarantee he told them about the truth. But there were some of his descendants that said, we're not going to accept the truth. We're going to go and serve our own way. Now, then they have offspring, and they're doing their own thing. That's what I always go back to. I go back to the beginning. Where did you first reject the truth of the Lord? And how is that going to affect your offspring? Sometimes it doesn't matter what you do. You can bring your kid up and, and, and acknowledge him in all the ways of the Lord and, and teach him up and bring him. He's still going to choose to go his own way. But at least you've done your job. You've done what you can do. Everybody has a free will. As Melvin Sisson said, God does not kick the door down to your heart. So, that's about as good as I can answer that, that question for you. I think that's what it goes back to. And, and see, that way, in that way, it's not blaming God. It's blaming stinking man for making that conscious free will decision that he made. And, and um, uh, anyway, so I'll get back to our, our Bible study that we started before. Um, and um, going back to things that we can do to get our prayers answered. And the fear of God and humility. That's what this study is about. If we go to James 4, 2... James 4.2 James 4.2 says, Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and ye desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your on your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoso over therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Well, this this is a verse that we all need to uh, is uh, the Christian modern day Christian movement really needs to have. 
So it says you desire to have and you can obtain, you fight in war, you have not because you ask not. Well, that's one of the reasons you don't have what you, but that's not, I don't think that that's the primary reason most people don't have what they have in today's day and age. I think it's the next reason. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lust. So they're asking because they want to consume it upon their own lust. Well, then the Bible says to call, it calls them ye adulterers and adulteresses. Well, they're adulterers and adulteresses before God, is what they are. Know ye not that friendship of the world, well, why, why do they call me an adulteress? Well, because you're friends with the world. You've, you have, you have, you've turned your back on God and, and chosen to serve the world rather than God. And this friendship of the world is creating enmity with God. Enmity means like a war. You're at war with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So don't think in today's day and age, and this is 99.9% .9 of Christians in America, maybe, maybe it's not that many, but I think it probably is close. They're friends with the world. How are they going to get their prayers answered? they got all kind of the world in their house. How are they going to get their prayers answered? How is it possible? And you know what really kind of concerns me is when I when I get somebody and they're living like the devil and they're living in the world and yet supposedly they're getting their prayers answered. Who's answering their prayers? You know? That's another thing to think about. So sometimes we don't get our prayers answered because we don't ask and sometimes because we, we ask for things that we can consume them upon our own lusts. Now, when you ask for something that you consume it upon your own lust because you're friends with the world, again, God equates that to being you to being his enemy. Okay? Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done mighty works in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done this and that? And then Jesus says to them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Never knew them. Never knew them. Ye that work iniquity, they're working. So, you know. This has a lot to do with salvation, too. James 4, 6 through 11 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Again, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. And let your joy be your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Okay, now it says here, he resists the proud, but give a grace to the humble. Well, the proud is mostly the ones that call themselves church. The church in today's day and age. But you see, he's going to give grace to the humble. You want God's grace? Well, you better humble yourself before God, or you can't get it. Can't do it, be proud. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. So we submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's not going to flee from you if you don't resist him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. So if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. See, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street here. And we got to do our fair share <laughs> in, in certain respects. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. What does that have to do? That has to do with getting sin out of our lives. You double-minded. Why would he call them double-minded? Well, they go, they go to the church and they sit there in the pew and act all holy for an hour. And then they go and they live like the devil every, uh, in between. Well, that's called being double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Oh, that's not feel-good gospel. Oh, no. Afflicted? Why? I'm a pretty good person. Look at my, my neighbor over there drinking beer and carrying on like that. I would never. Never. Honey, pass the remote. I, I want to watch the... I want to watch my TV show. Um, you know, that Bush, he's a good and godly man. He, he's... I just... We need to pray for him. He's, he's a wonderful person. Um, you know, I can't stand these conspiracy theory nuts. They, what do they think? I mean, we're just... We're getting better and better and better in this country. We, I, we You know, we go to a mega church, honey... We go to a mega church, a 501c3 mega church, and we give all our money to that. And they're reaching a lot of people. A lot of people get saved. In fact, last week, we had 40, 50 get saved in one service alone. Of course, 
don't see any real change in their life once they get saved, but all that matters is they're saved. That's all that matters. Yeah, they said that little prayer. They have a little brokering religion, a little dabble, do you? Sorry, I, I can't. It's hard for me not to get uh, sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, it says here, it says, let your laughter be turned to mourning. See, what these people should be doing is, is, is mourning, and yet they laugh, they glory in their shame. The Bible says the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. In Ecclesiastes. Heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Mourning is where it's at. Mourning is where you get right with God. If you had a kid and they were in front of you and one was pouring his heart out and mourning and really humble and you were looking at that one and then you look at the other kid and he's got pride all over him, he's not mourning, he's saying, well, I'm pretty good. Whose prayer is God going to hear? Who is God going to give grace to? It's as simple as that. It's really not a complicated thing. Let your joy be turned to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. You need to. That's where it starts. Humble yourself. God. Well, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do. It. Humble yourself in the sight of God. Get on your knees, and humble yourself in the sight of God. That's a good place to start. And then it says He shall lift you up. Before, before honor is humility. Haughty spirit goeth before destruction, but before honor is humility. Speak not evil one of another. Now, we got we have to preface that too because a lot of people say, well, you're just speaking evil about everybody. I wish I didn't have evil to speak about anybody, but the problem is, is there's a difference between evil and truth. The Bible says, says speak no, evil of no man. But what if it's truth? What if he is an axe murderer? What if he is a pedophile? Does that mean I don't speak anything about him? Oh, well, you're being a gossip. No, I'm not. I'm speaking truth. Speaking truth. There's a difference between speaking evil and truth. You're just judging. The Bible says he was spiritual, judgeth all things. Well, you're, you're, you can't do that. He said, judge not lest ye be judged. He was speaking to a hypocrite. Jesus was speaking to a hypocrite in that parable. And he even said, ye hypocrite, cast out the beam of your own eye so you can see the speck in your brother's eye. See, there's, there, there is, there, we should look at the speck in the brother's eyes if we've cast the beam out of our own. But if we haven't cast the beam out of our own, how are we fit to judge the speck in our brother's? That's all it is. It's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's not complicated. The Bible, Jesus also said, judge righteous judgment. See, that's righteous judgment. It's not hypocritical judgment. It's not pharisaical judgment. Oh, I am the high and lofty one sitting up here on my big podium and looking down on the little flock and I'm so much better and I've got, I live like the devil when I'm not here. That's hypocritical judgment. Okay? That's what God's in reference to. What, what is all of this that I've just described? Well, it's called rightly dividing the word of God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. That's all this is. We're just rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5 says, Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5, Psalm of David, a man after God's own heart, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? He's asking God. He says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? So, who's going to dwell with God and abide in his tabernacle? Now, granted, in today's dispensation and day and age, you have to be saved. Period. Okay? But, once you're saved, there should be evidence of that salvation. And here's good evidence right here. He that walketh uprightly. Now these are the ones... We want to welcome you to our week.